it never quite works out the way you, you, you think. So Jesus, you know, he's sleeping. I'm guessing he was exhausted because if you think back on the prior chapters, he's just like nonstop ministry. So like, I think if, if Jesus had another commandment and proof of if you love me, right, keep my commandments. But the other one would be if you love me, keep me asleep. And, and as a parent, Allie and I have to take like kind of a, a zone defense approach of one of us will take a nap and the other one will kind of like stand at the door. <laughs> but it's crazy because, you know, our kids will come down. Yeah, it'll take two hours to put the little ones to sleep. And then we finally get to bed at 11 o'clock. And then one of our older ones will come down and just like jam our door open and say, I can't sleep, guys. And it's like, they just like keep us up. So I don't know, like for parenting, like, you know, sleep is a gift and it's a blessing. Um, But, you know, the disciples, they're waking up Jesus. Now, these are seasoned, these are seasoned fishermen. So if they're in a storm and they're freaking out, this is a legit storm. You know, this this is the, um, the air stewardess, Uh, strap like putting on like sitting down and putting on the parachute uh, because there's turbulence happening and you know when I think about this uh, there's storms in life right like we get in storms and sometimes storms are from disobedience all right so if you think about the example of Jonah okay Jonah was disobedient to the Lord's calling He ran away. He went the opposite direction. And so the Lord brought a storm when he was in a boat and Jonah was asleep, just like Jesus. But his sleep was probably more of kind of like sticking your head in the pillow. Like, I don't want to be thinking about what's happening right now. So sometimes God brings storms into our lives because of disobedience and it's to wake us up and it's to get us on the right path. But I think it's equally as important to recognize that there are times when God brings storms into our lives or allows storms into our lives when we're actually being obedient. And I know there's many here that have gone on mission trips or there's many here that lead ministries or participate in ministries. And when God wants to do something powerful, Satan's also at work to kind of you know, mess things up to keep things, uh, to keep things from happening or to discourage you. And so it's important to recognize that these storms in our lives, sometimes they're a wake up call from the Lord, but sometimes the storms are something that we need to recognize that like, I'm actually doing this in obedience. And what Jesus had said was, let's go to the other side. Let's get into this boat. So they were actually in a place of obedience when this storm was happening So we'll keep on reading here. And he arose, Jesus, and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. Isn't that kind of like ironic? He's like, why are you so scared? Um, but I believe this was like a different type of fear. Like first they were, they had that, like that fear of just like self-preservation. But if you look at, 
another passage in the Gospels, like a cross-reference to this, it talks about them marveling. This fear exceedingly was like this marveling of like, how is it that Jesus can even calm the, the storms and the sea? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So the first thing that I think we can see from this, it's not the only thing, but you know, the Lord cares deeply about you. Okay, The Lord cares deeply about you and will use the storms of life to expo- expose your heart. The Lord had commanded the disciples to go to the other side of the sea. And so the fact that the storm came and now they're doubting and think about how they question Jesus. Do you not care about us? There's a lot in that rhetorical question, that statement of like, Lord, do you not care about us? Do you want us to die? Of course the Lord loves them. He left heaven. He left the comfort of heaven to be able to be and dwell with his disciples through things like a storm. So the Lord can use these storms to actually expose what's in our heart. A lot of times we don't know, like when things are easy, it's hard to kind of know like what's really going on spiritually. But it's like when the heat and the temperature is turned on, like it's 108 degrees here in Kansas City, you start to see what's really going on inside. And the Lord uses this. So, you know, when we're crippled with fear, we're not operating in faith. And a lot of times we don't have to say, Lord, do you not care about me? But it's even just how we're feeling that reveals that that's actually our heart attitude. We feel like the Lord, the Lord must have forgotten me. The Lord doesn't care. And when we're operating and crippled in fear, we're not operating in love. So we can trust Jesus in the storms of life. And this is the beauty of the Lord. Whether we have like a heart of faith or whether we have a heart of disobedience, the Lord still comes around us and gets us where we need to go. You think about Jonah, you know, in his disobedience, the Lord helped turn him around and course correct. Man, that's beautiful. We serve a merciful God. He doesn't give up on us even when we're going the exact opposite direction he is. But also in this case with the disciples, you know, they didn't know what was going to happen, but they got into the boat. They were following their master's commandment and the Lord will be with us and walk with us through the fire. So check this out. Psalm 4.8, this verse, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's the Lord that keeps us and protects us. First John 4.18, okay? When you think about like you're operating in fear when you're crippled with fear. First John 4.18 says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Okay, so at at the end, if there's time, I want to give you all some time to either pray together or to be thinking about this. But just be thinking about, even right now, are there, like, what's plaguing my mind with fear? Is there anything right now that, 
just feels like a, I'm, I'm in a boat and it's just getting pounded with waves. The boat's filling up with water. And, and if that's the case, you know, the question you want to be asking is, well, Lord, is this happening? Am I doing something disobedient? And I think oftentimes we know when we're being disobedient, but we need that little bit of a wake-up call. Or it might be, Lord, I, I feel like I'm doing what you've asked me to do, and yet this is happening. And to be asking the Lord, God, can you get me to that shore? <laughs> Are we going to make it? And so just be thinking about that. Are there fears right now that are plaguing you? I think about uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they were not willing to bow the knee to Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know if this is like the most accurate theological <laughs> depiction. <laughs> but um, Jesus, when they got put into the fiery furnace, Jesus was with them. They saw a, a fourth person in that fiery furnace with them. And so when we're going out in prison ministry, evangelism, when we're going to our jobs, when we're going to our neighbors, Man, the Lord is with us in that ship, and there will be turbulence, but he'll be with us. Uh, I love this quote by Warren Wearsby, you know, because Jesus calmed the sea, and that could have been a mic drop. He could have just walked away. But Warren Wearsby said this, Jesus did not stop with the calming of the elements, for the greatest danger was not the wind or the waves. It was the unbelief in the hearts of the disciples. Our greatest problems are within us not around us. So yeah, isn't that? Um, praise the Lord for Warren Wearsby, um, faithful brother. I think he passed away like a year ago. Um, but you know, what he's pointing out here is that God allows us to go through these things, again, to expose our heart, to show what is really in there. Do we trust the Lord? Okay, the second one, authority over demons. Now, a lot of times we read this, uh, this, this boat story with the storm, and it's just kind of in its own isolated context, right? They got in a boat, they were going somewhere, and then Jesus calmed the storm, right? But Jesus had a very specific mission in mind, and that's the context of what we're going to see here. Okay, and this is heavy. So Mark 5, starting in verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. Now keep in mind, this is a Gentile area. And uh, so we're going to see some things that wouldn't, you wouldn't normally see maybe in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish land. But again, this is a specific mission they're going over. So they're into the country of the Gadarenes, verse 2. And when, when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him 
and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. This is a strong dude. And whether that was just his natural strength, I mean, I would argue, you know, from what the context of scripture, that there was a de- like a demon in him, demons in him, just giving him supernatural strength. But like, could you imagine that like, you couldn't tame this person, how scary it would be to be around this person. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Think how lonely he was. Um, You know, we have some people in this church that have a testimony. Uh, they They were cutting themselves they they were in, they 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 wanted to feel they and 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 they have a testimony of Jesus coming and saving them and setting them free from these things um it this is just this is such a horrible situation that this this guy finds himself in um hopeless but when he saw Jesus afar off he ran and worshiped him and cried with a loud voice and said What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So this is really weird because the guy's talking, but it's not the guy talking. Jesus is commanding him, commanding the the spirits to come out of him. And yet it's the guy talking, but it's not the guy. And he asked him, what is thy name? So Jesus asked, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he could not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down into a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000, and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed, and in his right mind, and they celebrated. <laughs> they rejoiced. They gave glory to God. No, that's not what it says. It says, and they were afraid. This was the man that they could not tame. This is the man that they tried to shackle. And when he's finally in his right mind and he's clothed, they're freaked out. Verse 16, and they, and they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. And he hath had compassion on thee. 
and he departed and he began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. All right. So, you know, what we see here is that man's approach to spiritual problems merely reinforces bondage. But Jesus is able to set the captives free. And you guys, sometimes we self-medicate. And I'm not even talking about like, li- like literal medicine. But we try all, try like all kinds of things to get out of the darkness. And they only produce more darkness. They, they don't overcome the darkness. So man's approach to spiritual problems, it, it merely reinforces the bondage that, that people are in without Christ. But Jesus is able to set the captives free. And this is the question as I like read through this that I, just, that, I don't know, just confronts me. Is this, will you embrace God's results? Are you willing to accept God's results when he sets the captives free? You know, when we go out to evangelize, There's, there's something that happens if you win somebody to the Lord. That person becomes a baby in Christ. And what's that baby need? A lot of tender, loving care. A lot of time and investment. And, you know, I think about the story, uh, like earlier in Mark that we saw, where four men that had great faith to, to lower their friend at the feet of Jesus just like tore up somebody's roof, <laughs> right? They just tore up somebody's roof. There was, in terms of like being hospitable, whoever had opened their door for ministry for Jesus had a great price to pay, <laughs> right? And some of you guys, you've had, you've had company over, you've had people from the church over, and when they leave, there's, you know, there's, there's a price to pay for that. Um, we, I once had a friend, he was actually just driving through, uh, a long friend from high school, and he brought his two dogs over. Um, and uh, uh, they were great. We went out for dinner. We came back, and his dogs had, like, diarrhea all over our rug. <laughs> and it was like, there was a price to pay for the hospitality, right? <laughs> He said, he said, send me the cleaning bill. That's what he said. And, but when we left, we didn't tell him this, but it was like, this rug is like, we don't want this rug anymore. It's bad. It's bad. Um, but there's a price to pay. And the price to pay for setting this man free of a legion of demons, that price to pay was somebody's small business. 2,000 pigs. Maybe it was a big business. That could have been a city's economy. One soul is more valuable to the Lord than a million dollars worth of swine. I mean, think about that. What are we willing to give up for the price of one soul? Jesus gave everything. And I I shudder saying that out loud because, I I mean, I'm talking to myself. What am I willing to give up for the price of one soul? 
am I willing to stop my marathon training and talk to somebody that I'm running past that clearly is in need? Are they worth that? Am I willing to get late to a church service because there's somebody that's asking for help? Or am I going to bow down to the authority of public opinion? Right? You know, and you guys have to exercise wisdom. So, like, you, you, got it, you, got, you need the Spirit's leading in these situations. But when I think about what the Lord did and the consequences to this Gentile city, I mean, Jesus wreaked havoc. Absolutely, they didn't want him to, to, to be there. And, and notice the, the, the three prayers. There's three prayers that we see in this, in this passage, and, and they're in your notes. The demons besought that they would not be sent out of the country, but into the swine. So they're actually, they were praying to the Lord to like, in their minds, have mercy. <laughs> Uh, like, don't send us out of this country. And I don't know if, you know, from a spiritual principality standpoint, this was their domain and like they were on assignment. And if they got sent out, I don't know, they'd be in trouble. But either way, they were, you know, they're ultimately deceived because even their own prayer request led to destruction. Okay. And the Gadarenes, they prayed for Jesus's departure. I wonder what would have happened in that nation if they hadn't asked Jesus to leave. We have record of one miracle from this boat trip. But what else maybe God wanted to do? I don't know. You know, we can only speculate. But even the the man that was freed from the legion of, of, of demons, he had a prayer request. And it was actually, I think, the most reasonable thing, which was he wanted to go with Jesus. And yet Jesus suffered him not with this, with this prayer request, but instead had him go minister to his, his local community. And, you know, there are times when we see a mission trip that we want to go on. Oh man, I want to be a part of that church plant. That looks awesome. But man, how important is it that we're in tune with where the Spirit's leading us, where our church pastors, which the Lord has put shepherds over us to help direct us, they might say, sit tight. It's not time. Um, I don't think you're ready for this missions trip, even just this short-term missions trip. I, I think you need to focus on discipleship, or I think you need to get your house in order. And yet, you know, it seems like our request to go on this, this trip or this mission is, is spiritual, right? But we can see here that Jesus is like, no, like, I want you to stay here. And from it, it's like all these people started to hear the testimony of the Lord. So just, uh, you know, my, my call out here is just that um, be careful how you pray, right? We saw, we too, I mean, sometimes our prayer request can be like, God, get away from me, um, because it's, it's going to hurt my small business with your presence. Uh, it's going to tear up my roof. We got to be careful about our heart's prayers and what we long for. The next one, Jesus had authority over disease. We actually have two situations here 
um, two manners of illness that are happening simultaneously. And it starts with Mark 5, verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of, a, of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Uh, this is great faith. Jairus has great faith. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Okay, here's this word thronged again, right? So it's like all these people pressing up against Jesus. Like Jesus is like almost getting squashed like a grape. <clears throat> and a certain woman, <clears throat> excuse me, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Okay, now think about the, demo the demoniac. We've got all these people trying to like help him, put him in, in, in shackles and, and fetters, and, and yet it's, it's not helping, right? And now we have a woman that's been bleeding for, for years, 12 years. Uh, ceremonially, through scripture, uh, she was deemed unclean. Like over and over and over and over again. So like imagine having COVID every week and then testing positive again, again and again and again for 12 years. This is, this is where this lady's at, okay? Sometimes it's, you know, again, these, these stories are familiar, but put, put yourself in her shoes. So if you have COVID and there's a group of people around Jesus, what are you supposed to do? Like not be in that group, right? And I'm talking like, this is scripture saying that she is unclean, okay? Because of the issue of blood. And it says that <laughs> she, suff she suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had. She, her money had run dry. She had the hospital bills and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Now, I praise God for doctors, all right? My daughter was saved um, because of, uh, well, ultimately through God. But my daughter was saved when she was born. She didn't have a thyroid. If children's mercy wasn't there um, and how God used the, the medical technology and the doctors in the state of Missouri, um, she wouldn't be in a good place. Uh, she wouldn't be, uh, her brain wouldn't have developed in the way it has. And so um, I, I thank God for physicians. Um, but I also think that um, it's important to call out that uh, we could prescribe a lot of things um, that seem to not quite hit the mark. All right, so this says uh, medication commercial. Side effects include nausea, new or worsening depression, rectal bleeding, uh, and death. 
But the people in the commercial, you know, are just like as happy as can be playing soccer. So we know these things, right? Um, and, uh, you know, and, that, and that's, again, that's the reality, like, is that uh, he, man can only get so far. But like for this woman who's, who's not supposed to be in the crowd, man, she has the audacity. She has the audacity just like those four men that like ripped that roof up to drop down somebody at the feet of Jesus so that that guy could find out that his sins were forgiven and that he would be healed and that he could, he could get up and walk. She had the audacity to interrupt Jesus's miracle of Jairus's daughter. Think how many times you've looked at a situation and you've bowed down to the authority of that situation because you're like, eh, I don't know. That just, it's probably not God. Like, God probably doesn't want me to do that. I think about uh, when we were doing Hit the Streets last uh, month, uh, a group of us went to Loose Park. And there were, uh, co- there were, you know, there were people walking around this huge, like, mile and a half track. And, you know, they have an agenda. They're, they're wanting to get their exercise. So it's kind of like every time you're, like, walking up to that person... You're like, ah, they probably, you know, they don't want to stop and talk to us, right? Like, there's this, there's this, like, you bow down to the authority of this situation. Um, But then we saw these, but we did end up talking to some walkers and stuff like that. But then you see these couples on a date, on a blanket, in the middle. And again, I'm like, ah, they probably don't want to be bothered. This is like, you know, this is their moment. Like, they're, they're having a moment. I don't want to interrupt that, right? But man... This woman who's unclean, based on the authority of scripture, unclean. She has the audacity with Jesus being squashed like a grape by people touching him to, to reach in there and just, if I can just get the garb and if I can just touch that garment and like, man, I just, I confess to you all, like, I don't have that faith. I don't have that faith. Lord, help us to have that faith. So verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. What great faith. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now, you guys, check out the disciples' response, okay? These are the same disciples that are in the boat, waking up Jesus and saying, do you not care about us? All right, and his disciples said unto them, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me? It's like they, like they, I don't know. It's like there's, there's something about like Jesus's authority and the way he goes about things that they just don't get yet. Like it hasn't clicked that when Jesus asks a question, that it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Jesus is asking the question to provide the opportunity for somebody to realize what's inside of their heart. 
quick plug, uh, Mitch Dobson did an amazing job uh, going through questions of Jesus, all recorded on our website. It's like going through all that. And like Jesus asks a lot of questions <clears throat> and there's so much to learn from that. So Jesus is asking this question, who touched me? <clears throat> okay, and verse, verse 30, I'm sorry, verse 32. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. So he asked the question, but then he turned to, to her. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, this is beautiful, daughter, thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. That's awesome. He calls her daughter. Not, you know, woman, why are you touching me? He's calling her daughter. She's adopted of the Lord and she had great faith and God made her whole. So we need to press into the Lord with faith. Through his power, he shall make us whole. Press into the Lord with faith. Through his power, he shall make you whole. And again, I, I just encourage all of us, think about her situation and all the things she could have told herself. Dude, it's been 12 years. God, God doesn't care. I have COVID. I shouldn't be in that situation. <laughs> like, uh, I mean... She had every reason to not be there, to not try to reach out to Jesus. And think about how easy of an excuse we permit ourselves from like not getting in God's word and touching the hem of his garment in the morning, you know, like, like it doesn't take much to derail us from like encountering the Lord, reaching out to the Lord. Uh, what, what really stood out to me in, in this passage uh, is that it says that virtue came out of Jesus. And I just thought that was such an interesting word. Virtue came out of Jesus. I was like, why is it virtue? Why not, you know, why does it, you know, why does, what's going on there? So um, I looked it up. This is in verse 30. You'll see it, that it's saying virtue. I'll just read it again. And Jesus, immediately knowing of himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Okay. And when you look up this word, and this is in your notes, that word comes from a a Greek word, dynamis, which many of you have probably heard this before, but it sounds a lot like dynamite, right? The power of God. It's like, it's got this like, there's something about God's divine power that's, it's, it's dynamite. It's, it's explosive, right? So this is that virtue. And, you know, the reality is many, I mean, we're often praying for ailments, guys. We're, we're often praying for ailments. And there are times when God, we see healings. Um, but we also know that we're, we're flesh and, and that this isn't our ultimate home. And at some point, our bodies do fail, right? So has like God abandoned us when, when we are going through an ailment? I mean, this lady was bleeding for 12 years. Some of you guys probably have back pain that's lasted longer than that. Anybody like over the age of like 
35, right? Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's like, is, is God remembering us in these times? And this is really important. And we'll see this as we keep going through Mark. Um, and you'll see this if you were to study out like the book of Acts and the transitions. But God allowed his prophets to do physical miracles to reinforce the message of that prophet. Okay, so during the gospel times, during the Old Testament with the prophets coming, you're seeing amazing things happen. Uh, drought, <laughs> uh, water turned into blood, uh, frogs, locusts, uh, healings. You're seeing all these things. And as the word of God gets established and we transition into the New Testament church, you see a little bit of a dissipation of, of some of these miraculous events and healings. Uh, Paul was telling uh, Timothy to drink a little wine uh, for his tummy ache. <laughs> Poor Timothy, he had a bellyache. Why, why, didn't, why didn't Paul just heal him? Uh, you know, so it's like, so I want to be careful, you know, as we're reading this and, and I, you know, we can trust God for miracles and God can still heal and we've seen it. We have testimonies of it, but I think what we need to really focus on as the new Testament believer is that God makes us whole and, and the priority order is spiritual wholeness. Okay, so I want to look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 5 for a moment. It says, this is, so this is a letter to the New Testament church. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power. Okay, so I underline this word divine power because this is the same word that was used for virtue coming out of Jesus. In, in Mark chapter five. So according as his divine power hath given unto us, us New Testament believers, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge. So, I mean, we could probably spend an hour just unpacking this verse, but the thing I want you to like, just kind of see, and I'll just kind of go back to it, is that God has given the New Testament believer all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That's an amazing promise. The woman was made whole. We see in the New Testament, there are people that partook of some of Jesus' miracles, but they walked away. They, did, they, they walked away. They weren't disciples. And yet... What God has offered us is virtue through his divine power to give us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's called us to glory and virtue. 
He's given us great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. We can be partakers of God's divine nature. And that's what's offered to us like today. Like if you don't feel like you are walking in the power and strength of the Lord, what we're being told here is that it's available to us. And so we need to have this faith that uh, God has touched us. God has made us whole and he's making us partakers of this divine nature. It's incredible. Lastly, Jesus has authority over death. We're going to wrap up here. Mark 5, 35 through 43. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain which said, the daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any farther? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with them and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and saith unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked for she was of age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. And so, you know, this is such a simple little phrase. Um, But man, this is this is our life in Christ. The dead shall rise. Jesus has authority over death, spiritual death, physical death. Romans 6, 4 through 5. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Okay, so Jesus resurrected. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So God is calling us to a new life. He's raising us. He's risen us from spiritual death. And, you know, like we were looking at in Second Peter, he, he's giving us everything we need to live a godly and, and life of power. So um, we'll wrap up here. Um, don't lose sight of that after uh, at verse 43, and he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Okay, so Jesus healed her, but then Jesus also focused on the practical, okay? So we can't like be in our heads in the clouds and not think about taking care of the practical things as well, right? So eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. Uh, if the doctor has prescribed you something, as long as it doesn't have those horrendous uh, side effects, do take your medicine, all right? Um, and there's some questions to, to consider, and I, I just encourage you, you know, this, this afternoon, be praying about that, uh, be thinking about that.
Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for everything um, that you show us through your word. And Lord, you have all authority and pray that uh, you would have the throne of our hearts and that we would live in faith and not in fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.